Amen. Amen. Just to help with that whole process, if um, you have a hard time trying to think that that's when you should say amen or mm or whatever, let's just practice. When I throw my left hand up, just say whatever you would feel comfortable saying. Okay, there you go. There you go. All right. So just, just in case something comes across, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're silent right here. And I'll just throw my left hand out right there. <laughs> well, I'm honored to be here. It's a pleasure and it's a blessing to be in this church and serving uh, uh, this day with you all here and with Jared. This is a, a church, I believe, for such a time as this. Who knows all the work that God has yet to be done, will be doing in this ministry, but I really sense it's a, it's a timely ministry. And, and Jared's one of the most creative uh, dudes I know. I mean, just your creative thoughts and insights and perspectives. And so being able to know him as a friend and a partner and colleague in ministry is just an honor. And so you are uh, in, a, in, a, in the right place for such a time as this what God is leading this ministry and church to do. Let me just pray. Wow, God, you are amazing. And the worship was just ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. And God, we've just had a smidget of it. Imagine what it will ultimately be as we uh, come together as a people of God to take that worship into the neighborhood, into the, into the energy and the power and the, and the commitment, the conviction and the strength and the encouragement from that worship into our own community and our spheres of influence. Help us, God, to, to continue to uh, feel and sense uh, uh, the, the spirit of that worship in our hearts and our, in our minds and open our hearts and minds up for what you would teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This uh, young lady had had two sons, and um, she moved to the small town. And one was uh, five, and one was ten. And moved to the small town, and um, you know, in transitions with kids, sometimes can be difficult. And so they were kind of like wiling out in school, and just their own kind of way to understand this new life, this new transition. And she had heard about this pastor, this church that had a great mentoring um, uh, organization and working with young men. And as um, she was kind of desperately trying to find a way to get them plugged in. She, she brought them over to the church. She set up an appointment. She brought them over to the church. And um, the pastor uh, saw the, fifth, the five-year-old one first. And the pastor's sitting in his chair with his back this way. And the pastor's now 6'8", tall, dark, African-American man, 6'8". He's sitting in his chair. The boy's sitting there. He turns around and he says, where is God? <laughs> and, he, and he gets up from the chair and he's 6'8", where is God? And he walks around the table and he, sits, and, he, and he sits on the edge of the table and he points to the boy, where is God? And the five-year-old boy jumps across the desk and goes outside the little back door. And this was a small little country church where he goes outside the door of the pastor's office and it's like the woods, right? It's like the parking lot. So he jumps in his bushes and the 10-year-old comes in and he sits down. The pastor does the same thing and where is God? And this time he goes around the other side. Now, the 10-year-old doesn't know what happened to his brother, right? Did the pastor eat him? I mean, he doesn't know what's going on, right? So he's like, where's his brother at? Where is God? By the way, he didn't even get the third time out. And this time, the 10-year-old jumps across the desk like his brother did, goes outside the same door, sees the exit, doesn't know that's where his brother is, jumps in the bushes, sees his brother, and they both are bugging out like, what happened? Man, they think God is missing. They think we had something to do with it. <laughs> My question to you this evening is, where is God? And did you have something to do with it? Where is God? Where is God in your pain today? Where is God in your hurt? Where is God in the pressures that you feel today? 
You know, we had a great hip-hop service, not this past Saturday. We had a concert yesterday, but the following, the, the Saturday before, and we have an outdoor thing. We're barbecuing and hanging out. It was this state of emergency kind of service we've been doing. And just probably, and then we hit the block afterwards from like 9 o'clock to like midnight, 1 o'clock. We're just praying with people. Ridiculous. We had these two girls come who are known in the city for the great poetry that they do, but they've been really discipled and poured into by Mama Brenda, who's a phenomenal poet in the city of Chicago who's just killing it. She's raising up a generation of young poets and young ladies. And these two girls, though, one girl's brother was killed by another girl's brother. But they reconciled. And they reconciled, right? And, they, and they're speaking on their pain, and they're doing this poetry, and they're just killing it. And they're causing everybody to think differently about the purpose of their pain and the power that that pain can have in faith. Two days after, this girl does her poem. Her, brother, her boyfriend's brother gets killed. So I'm talking to her yesterday, and this whole Trayvon Martin and the whole not guilty issue, and she's like, yo, Phil, is, is, is the black uh, uh, body worth less than the white body? What's going on with, with, the, with the pain that I'm feeling right here from what is happening? And people are asking me, her as a young lady, as a poet, who's against all of that, what do we do? Where is God? Where the heck is God? You see... What happens is in the city, hopelessness and resiliency coexist, right? So you're continually hopeless, but you're strong in it, right? You're not going to graduate. You're not going to go off to college. You're not going to do anything. Nobody in your family has done it. So you're going to be hopeless, but you're going to be strong in that hopelessness, right? You're going to be, oh, you're going to be bold in it. That's why when one person gets to a place of, of excellence or desiring to move forward, everybody's hating on them. Oh, you think you're finna go to school? You think you're finna go to college? Who you think you is? Who you think you is? Who gonna pay for it? Who gonna pay for it? Right? Because it is a whole, it is a whole issue of, I believe that we can, that I can move forward. So, 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 our context is to bring hopefulness and resiliency. All my life, growing up as a high school kid and growing up in my in my, in my home, uh, my dad was verbally and physically abusive to me. All my life, cussing me out, you stupid A M F all day long. I mean, at one point I thought that was just. What my name was. And we would go to church. Here's the irony of it. We'd go to church every Sunday. They're teaching Sunday school. Every time we're going to church and we're leaving church, he's cussing out the pastor. I mean, we're not even one foot out the door. He's cussing out the pastor. He cussing out the ushers, the Sunday school teachers, the choir members, the director. Why are they such and such? And in this whole weird juxtaposition I'm in, I'm trying to find a, a crease where maybe we can have a conversation. Maybe there could be some connection. So I'm in the car, and every so often I would say, you know, Dad, maybe, and, and as I would even get, maybe I don't even know if I would even get a sentence out, I'm getting hit. I just left church. Where is God? And see, what happens, what happens is the pain becomes so overwhelming that to, 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 to believe in hope, it even hope, hurts to hope. Because I know if I, if I believe that that really can change, you know what I got to do to get there? Do you know what I got to do to get there to believe and open up this God to, tr- tr- to trust in this hope? And so what happens is we believe God only for a certain point. God is good up to this point, and I can't let him in this pain. And for years, for years, for years, I wouldn't let God in this pain because it hurt too much. And I was preaching, and I'm teaching, but there was only a certain part where it went, and it was almost as if I was eating the pain. It was as if the pain was food to me because I, 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 I couldn't take the hope that I loved and swam in and would preach about, and that got to a certain point, but when that pain came in, it, God couldn't come in there. 
But when the pain becomes so overwhelming that you can't do anything about it, that's when faith becomes authentic and real and powerful. When pain becomes so overwhelming, and what happens is when you, when, when you surrender to that, when you surrender to that, you realize that that God is a God of pain. That God is like, I got your front, your back, and your side to side. And that reality is, that reality is, is that God says, I'm with you in this pain. I'm with you. And you know what's crazy is that when that happened to me, right? When that happened to me, it was like, hold up. I've been missing this the whole time. I've been suffering through pain, suffering through this, struggling, trying to figure it out, perhaps thinking about driving off this and wilding out this way just to get a balance of this pain. But it was here the whole time, the freedom of that. We live in a world that has this, this plus this equals this. You shoot a person, they get hurt, you should, this should happen, not to be free. That should not work. This is kind of oxymoron. And if we live in that world that way, with faith, and when it tops each other, we don't know what to do with that. What I want to challenge us is to accept a world, right, that embraces the reality of loss and renewal, right, of death and resurrection, of chaos and healing. And when I can embrace that reality, my faith becomes more authentic. It becomes more real. It becomes more uh, transparent. It becomes more powerful versus this pseudo understanding of it because this plus this equals this. And that's a nice, neat order I must have things in. Truth is not always about pragmatic problem solving, but about reconciling contradictions. Can we live in that truth? Can we live in that truth? That is not about trying to fix the particular problem pragmatically in this structure, but about reconciling contradictions. That's the God that we serve. You ever seen the movie... Um, the Apostle, it's an older movie, right? And, and in the movie, uh, uh, he's sitting there and he is, he is literally um, shouting at God, shouting, just going off. And he's at his mama's house. He's gone through a lot of stuff. And uh, his mom gets a phone call and she picks up and she's talking to a neighbor, I guess, who's hearing him shouting. And, and, and she's like, well, what's your son doing? Well, she says, sometimes he pray to God and sometimes he shout at God. Tonight, he's shouting at God. <laughs> That's what I believe God wants us to be. You can look at all through the Psalms and you see God saying, God, God, why is this? And what is this? Do you want me to die here in this hole? I mean, they have no problem with venting their pain before an authentic, real, transparent, loving God. <sighs> Don't wait. Don't wait as long as I did. Don't wait. Don't wait until pain becomes so overwhelming. You don't know what to do with it that you may suspect the faith, even in the midst of it, it's becoming so overwhelming that you won't let God in. Let him in. Let him in. Jump over the desk. Find him. Say, God, here I am. Take me in this pain. Restore me. There was a whole nother level of grace. More truth. We always say this phrase. Little truth, little grace. A lot of truth, a lot of grace. <laughs> Let's bathe in that. Let's just swim in that. Let's drown up in that boy because of the grace, the grace that God desires to have for us that comes against and battles for us against the pain. In the Bible, we're going to look at a passage where Christ talked to a woman who was struggling with a lot of pain in, in, in Matthew chapter 15 and in verse 21. You see, Christ was talking to his own people before this verse, before this passage, and they were just, just, just really just ticking him off. Like, okay, wait, 
I got to get away from y'all. And so in this whole, whole process before that time, is people were going back and forth with what's unclean and what's clean and are you clean? And I just got clean. And he's like, okay, I'm tired of this. Let me get away from it. So let me go to a place where there's no other Jewish people. Let me go to a place where I can just be alone. And so as he does this, he comes to this area to try to get away, but he runs into a situation with this lady. Verse 21 of chapter 15. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came crying out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him to send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Look what happened. Christ is leaving his people. Man, they drive me crazy. Let's get in the boat. We got to go. We just go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. They get them on out of there. They get in it. They pull the boat up. As they're pulling the boat up, Peter's splashing water. Stop splashing water, man. You, it's your day. It's your, you know, it's my time to do laundry, you know, and stop. So they mess around. Here comes this woman out of nowhere. She's running. Jesus, have mercy. We had one roller in her hair. One roller in her hair. One flip-flop, because she lost that one while she was running. She's gone. She get, and her, like, her like little nightgown outfit, she's running, 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 a little, little, little uh, towel around, whatever she's got her, she's running. Have mercy on me. My daughter's suffering demon possession. Ah, help me. Ah. And he, pulling the boat up, here comes this woman. The Bible says, though, as she's hollering and saying this all big, he doesn't say nothing to her. It just says, Jesus didn't answer a word. Now, you know he heard her because look what his boy said. So his disciples came to him and said, should we send her away because she keeps crying out? Look what they, So here she is right over here. How you doing, sister? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. What should we do about her right here? Her right here. Right here. Right here. How you doing? Amen. Amen. Her. He doesn't say nothing. No, no. That's dis number one. He don't say nothing. You ever try to get somebody's attention and they don't hear you? Hello, 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 um, hello. And, you know, the West Side, you'd you be on the floor. Oh, my, my bad, my bad. I, I just had, you know, I just, just had a reaction. <laughs> Is your faith strong enough to press through that? The pain of wherever she came from, her daughter being demon-possessed, she's running to this Jesus, drove it, that pain drove her to him. Here he is, this Messiah. She's not Jewish. She didn't know all the history, but she just know he did something and he healed some people and he did this and he, you know, somebody's hand was one color. Now it's normal. She just knows the stories. She runs down here and he doesn't say nothing to her. <laughs> Would you have been like, oh, you don't hear nobody, do you? You, don't, you can't hear nobody. You got them big old ears. You can't hear nobody. Maybe all that hair over your ears. You need to grow a fro. You need to grow a fro. What would, you, what would you have done? Would you have pressed through? Would you have believed enough? Would, would the pain met this faith to go beyond your struggle, your pressure? Look what happens. He answered, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. She said, so here's the scenario. She's, she's right here. He is now, his disciples said, should we send her away? He's not talking to her. She's right here. He's talking about her while she's right there to them. So, 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 
So that's disc number one, and then disc number like half, and then another disc. So I'm not here for any Puerto Ricans. I'm, I'm, only here, I'm not here for Puerto Ricans. I'm not here for any Asian people. I'm not here for biracial people. I'm not here for black people. Um, I'm here for um, Jewish people. Oh, heck, you know. <laughs> it's okay that you didn't hear me, you know, because you may have that ocean ear. You got ears of pop, you can't hear. But you ain't here for my kind of people. <laughs> What's my kind of people? You ain't here for my... Now, 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 now the killer is is that he's in a non-Jewish area saying he's here for the Jewish people. If I'm going to the South Side and be like, I'm here for the West Siders, I want to pray with you. Right? I'm on 79th and Cottage, and I'll wear the West Siders, wear the West Siders. Get your butt to the West Side, right? How is it that you're in a non-Jewish area saying you're here for the Jews? Would your faith have been able to... See, Jesus wasn't being mean or facetious. Christ being the master teacher knew deeply this woman's pain and what was going to bring the deliverance from her pain was not just an easy out. See, sometimes our faith is too easy. Sometimes our faith must add one plus one and then this. No, no, no. Faith must be grimy. Faith is grimy because faith has to press through that pain because it knows that there's a deliverance on the other side. And, yo, I'm fully experiencing that now from this emotional healing from all the stuff from my pops. Gave me a place where I could forgive my pops. I mean, honestly, move beyond just saying, all right, I forgive me. It's cool so I can go ahead and preach. No, 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 no. Some plastic kind of stuff, but some pressing through some issues, some tension, some moments to go through and, and seek God to give me forgiveness in that for a period of years in that process. And so I'm on the other side of that, and it's beautiful. It's a whole nother connection. It's a whole nother freedom because there would be times in the car when I'd be driving, and my bride and all of her beauty and brilliance would say one little thing and bring me right back to 2916 Lockridge in the basement trying to wash the car and what my pops would say. And I would be livid. And I didn't know, I didn't, God, what is this? Faith must not be scared of that. Can't be scared of that. This, God is pulling this woman's faith out. He's pulling, he's not being mean or facetious. He's, he knows where he's at. He knows why he's there. And he's pulling this out of this woman. This woman falls on her knees and says, Lord, help me. No titles, no, no songs, no hymns, no scripture, no nothing. Lord, help your sister out. <laughs> she falls to her knees. Now he addresses her. He replied to her in verse 26. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. He says, woman, you got great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Her faith was so grimy to change the mind of God. To change the mind of God, to cause him to see who she really was, for her to even see who she really was. Because see, the, the thing is, is sometimes because of, of, of eating pain and swallowing pain and living in pain and accepting that that's the best it's going to ever be, we never want to move forward again because it hurts too much to even hope. And so we begin to just get in this kind of routine. And the courage that it takes to mount up by faith to press through that, we feel is 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 
is, there's not. It's, it's empty. There's no, no extra buckets in the back to gain to, to get that strength that's there. And that's why we must just let go and trust in the caring of God in our life. There's three things this woman teaches us, I think, about faith. Three things she teaches us. In the morning, she got up. She's Gentile, so she's not worrying about any pigs. So she's cooking bacon. Got that bacon going. She got some, she got some omelets. She got some egg. Buquita, Shaquana, Tatuita. We finna eat, girl. We finna eat. She gets all, Buquita. She can't hear it. She, she, she brings the food in. Buquita, Shaquana, Tatuita. And all of a sudden, her daughter is on the ceiling. Get out of my room. Some demon possession. Ah, Nick. Ah, stuff coming out of her mouth. Whatever. Whatever demon possession was. Like, ah. That woman dropped that tray and took off to Christ. First thing she teaches us is that she remembers what God has brought her from. She remembers she's broken from her past. She remembers where she's been. It was a time in my life uh, early on in ministry where, where, and I still do this periodically, but I had these journals, and we had a couple of floods, and so those journals have floated on now to flood world. But, but, but I had these journals, and every night I would sit in my bed, and I would write uh, what I was thankful for. I would say, God, I, was, I would write them as if I was in a hospital bed and I couldn't move. And the only thing I had is a bedpan under me. And what would I be thankful for at that moment? Thankful that I can pee in the bedpan. Thankful for I can watch TV. And it's, even though it's me TV, whatever it would be, I would be grateful for that, right? And so I would sit on the edge of my bed and I would start off with something simple. I mean, three or four pages later, I'm in tears because I'm remembering just that one day what God has brought me from. That's what she was at. That's the one thing she teaches us. Remember what God has brought you from. Can you remember? You remember where he's brought you from? You remember the things that you thought were because of your education, but they're really not because of your education. <laughs> remember the things you thought because of the connection, the network you had, but, but it's really not because of all of that. Remember because you thought you felt the right thing, you had the right uh, dossier, the right uh, uh, opportunity, the right this and that. No, 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 no. God has brought you that way. <laughs> Brokenness from her past. She was not going back there again. I'm so grateful for that. I am running to Jesus. I, the, the, I, I must have this faith, this, this, this uh, strength, this power, this deliverance, this faith that I have and I'm going to have that I need to have is grimy because of what I'm coming from. Second thing she teaches us when she falls on her knees and it says, she said, Lord, help me. She said, you know what she's saying? God, you all I got. You are all I got, and you are all I need. You are all. Is, is Christ all you got? Remembering that Christ, see, if I'm not close to Jesus, right, I'm a few 24 hours away from Jack and you. Ha, ha, ha. It's great for a blessing and all that the God does provide and bring forth, but I need Jesus because life makes no sense without him. And it is in that sense of living and breathing daily, that intimacy, that depth of dependence upon him, that God shows up even in our pain. Because now with that type of dependence, you're looking for God in the pain. And once when I was pushing God away from the pain because you can't come in here, it's too hard for me to hope that you can do something because hope hurts for you to come in. But now I'm hoping in the midst of the pain, God, you are showing up. Show me where you're showing up at. Because I'm looking for you in a certain kind of box, but it doesn't always fit that way. Is Christ all you got? Because our, our, our identity should be formed in, in, our, in our rebirth of Jesus Christ, not in our performance. Next, 
Christ says it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dog. Now, she a female. He, 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 he called her dog. There's another word we say like that on the west side. There's another word people use on the west side. But it would be just as a harsh of a statement that somebody would make today. But I believe she got up, dusted her knees off and said, um, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know what she said? Not only do I have you because you all I got, but you got me. She was saying that the master who takes care of the dog, I'm in the house of the master. So the master got me. So if the master decides I'm going to have crumbs today, guess what? I'm going to have some crumbs. I'm going to have some crumbs because he's going to hook me up with the crumb. Guess what? The master gave me steak. Oh, I'm going to have steak because I believe and trust in his providence, his, his, his sovereignty in my life. So I must accept it. And here's the thing. Gentiles love dogs in the crib. Jews couldn't have dogs in the crib. It was, it was unclean to have them. So, you know, Jesus knew this. He calls her this. She identifies with what he says is despised and uses it back. See, that's some grimy faith right there. That's some grimy faith. That's some faith that says, I'm in pain right now, but there's so much more hope in the faith in you than there is in the pain that I have been eating on. Ah, ah. Ah, let me tell you what. The dog and the master, as long as the, the master's in the house, the dog gonna be fed. Long as I'm trusting in the master and his providence and his sovereignty in my life, I'm straight. I'm good. My daughter, when she was younger, her and her sister lived in one room with a bunk bed. And one time I'm up here trying to help her get her room cleaned up. Um, Jordan, our youngest daughter, who's 21, and she would uh, jump on the, she would climb up the little bed and on the little rail. And she would like, daddy, daddy. And she would jump. I'm like, I'm trying to stop it. Right. I put her down like four or five times. She's doing that. Right. And she was jumping. We had kind of made it a game after I forget cleaning. Let's just play. Right. But she could jump because daddy was in the room. We can jump with pain on our shoulders, pain in our heart, pain in our mind, pain in our back because daddy's in the room. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Remember the fact that broken from your past, driving you to the to Christ grateful for where he's brought you from, but yet dependent upon him that you've got him. He's all you got, but that he's got you. Even in the juxtaposition of the pain, you know, in the diaspora, in the, in the middle passage, when slaves were being brought from Africa to America, oftentimes slave owners would dump women out and dump children out because of the weight of the boat and all the particulars that they needed on these long journeys that they were unprepared for. And oftentimes these mothers who were coming off, sliding off the boat, being dragged off the boat, would be in the middle of the ocean holding their babies up. They knew their fate, but they knew that there was somebody there who would grab that child. <laughs> That's how we are. <laughs> We're being held up because we know, ah, God's going to grab me. God's going to get me. God's going to hold me. I know the fate of what's going on, the tension, the pressure, the pain, but God has got me. Ah, will you surrender today <laughs> to that type of grimy faith? Look what happened. Look what happened. Look at verse 29. Verse 29, it says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. You see, I believe Jesus bounced after that little exchange because her faith was complete. If she had been healed or her daughter been healed that first time, she wasn't ready for what may happen a year from now. Second time situation, she wasn't ready. The third time when she brushed herself off, even the dogs eat the crown fall from the masters. Hey, what? <laughs> she was good. 
She was ready. Because a year from uh, there, that time, something happened. Because of what she had been through and the griminess of her faith, she was now allowing pain to enter into, knowing that God is in the midst of that pain and God was overpowering the pain. She wasn't intimidated by it. Her faith was authentic. She was like, girl, let's pray. God, do it. Because of the courage of what she had been through. Will you remember your past? Will you remember what God has brought you from? Will you remember, will you hold on to the fact that you have got God? You've got Christ. You're holding on to him. He's all you got. He's all you need. And will you remember that God's got you? Even in the midst of drowning in an ocean, he says, ah, give me to me. I got you. Don't wait for years like I did. Don't wait for years carrying that. Let it go and let him carry you through. This um, young girl, she was five and the family had just had another child. It was a son. But the mom and dad were new to another child and new to um, their daughter having this other child and were kind of bugging out about if she has a baby, is she going to be jealous? Is she going to shake him? She didn't know what's going to. So they kind of waited a few months, you know, before um, they let their five-year-old take the baby and hold the baby. So the time came where they said, tomorrow you can hold your brother. It's like, oh, great, great, great. So tomorrow came, they were in the living room and they gave uh, her brother to her. And she's sitting there on the couch and she's holding him and she's saying, you know, you just left heaven. I want to talk with you because I'm starting to forget what God feels like. That's what pain does when you don't allow faith in it. It keeps us from, from remembering what God feels like. Do you remember? Will you be bold enough today to want to remember and to move in such a way where you accept that? Let us pray. Jesus, you are all that. (laughs) Your words are powerful. This woman was a beast. She teaches us so much. God, pain is all around us. The conflict with Trayvon and the whole issue with all of that. And what do we do with that? The conflict with our own families, the conflict with our school, conflict with work, conflict with with, uh, relatives, the conflict on the street. Give us wisdom this day. Give us courage this day, God. To be broken from our past, to remember where 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 you brought us from. To cling on to you, not some performance, not some attitude, not something that gives us some props temporarily, but to cling on to you. And to experience and realize that you cling on to us. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.